Hey, we're so excited that you tuned in and we want to let you know about something exciting happening here at Freedom. Beginning September 17th, we are offering two worship experiences at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Both experiences are identical. We would love to have you join us at one of our experiences. Hope to see you there. There is more grace in God's heart than there is sin in your past. There is more grace in God's heart than there is sin in your past. There was a Pennsylvania man who is reminded every day that he wasn't as smart as he thought. Jerry Lynn told KDKA-TV that an alarm clock he lost inside the wall in his home rings every day at 7.50 p.m. Every single day. And during daylight savings time, 6.50 p.m. Lynn says he tried, he tied the clock to a string in September of 2004 and lowered it into the wall in a, through a vent in his home. Lynn set the alarm hoping the noise would help him drill a hole in the right spot through which he can pass a TV cable. But the battery operated clock fell off the string and has stayed in the wall ever since. Lynn has been unable to retrieve the clock and figured the battery will eventually die. So far, it hasn't. Let me ask you a question today. Are there alarms going off in your life reminding you of your past mistakes? The Bible tells us that we can avoid that through the lens of his word. We can avoid some of the turmoil, some of the struggles that we go through by leaning and looking upon his word. Psalm 119 tells us that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And when it comes to the Lord, Jesus wants us to know that while the Pharisees didn't realize it yet, following God was about to change when he came into the picture. My message this morning is simply entitled, A Grace Invasion. A Grace Invasion. You see... Religious figures of the day when Jesus walked the earth, they looked upon the commandments as a way of proving that they are everything they look to be. But in reality, the commandments were actually supposed to act as a standard to remind us how desperately we need God. Has the commandments ever reminded you how short you fall sometimes? There are times in my life that I look at the commandments and I go, man, I'm... I'm good that I'm doing most of the, I'm not doing some of these things and I'm trying to honor God with everything I have. But you know, the commandments were never meant to make us feel better. The commandments were there to show us how off we are. Because it is not as easy for some of us to do certain things. And others of us, we just seem to gravitate towards some things that God says don't do. Is that right? Some of you are like, yeah, my neighbor is struggling, not me. Friends, I want to tell you this morning, the Bible is our standard. Not Christians, and it's never been. The standard that we hold to is not by anybody's life. The standard is not my life. 
The standard is not the leadership in this church. The standard is the Bible. The standard is the word of God. Because I will fail you. Leaders will fail you. But God will never fail you. Come on, nine o'clock. God will never fail. There are times that we feel like his timer is off. Because I know timing. And God should have come through at this point for me. Right? How many ever felt like that before? I know time, God, and you're missing it a little bit. Just, you're off a little bit. But Christ made it clear that it's never been you or I, for we are all in need of a Savior. In our text this morning, I want to kind of tackle this for a moment. I want us to take a glimpse at the hallmark story. One of those hallmark stories in the New Testament. No, not the channel, but a hallmark story found in John chapter 8. Who's with me? John chapter 8. I want to make this clear. We use the word of God here at Freedom. I want to give you a moment to find it in your scripture. A grace invasion. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. And here's how it goes, right? Some of you know the story. Some of you are like, oh, I know exactly what he's going to say. And you start tuning in to what's for lunch. Don't, 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 don't. Because I think I have something for you this morning. Follow me as John chapter 8 unveils an invasion that nobody, yes, nobody expected this. I mean, I'm talking about the people that walked with the scriptures didn't expect it. The people that knew the scriptures better than anybody else. That is to say the Torah, right? They, they knew they knew the, the commandments. They knew all that. The people of Jesus' day, those that followed Jehovah, right? Those that followed Elohim, they knew the scriptures and they knew what God said to do and what he said not to do. But something happened when Jesus invaded. Something happened and here it is. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and he taught. And he was speaking the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stoner, what do you say? Does anybody sense a setup? They were trying to trap him, verse 6, into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again, friends. And he wrote something. I heard a lot of stories about this before. I've been in Christendom long enough. Yes, that's a real place. I've been in Christendom long enough where I heard a lot of different things of what he possibly, nobody really knows for sure. How many ever wondered what he wrote there? I had one, I remember one guy said one time, he said, I think he started writing. Hey, you, Matthew, cheated. Joseph. Something else. I don't know what he wrote. Maybe he was writing, what have you done today? I don't know what he wrote. 
But one thing I do know is that when he challenged them, when he challenged them, he challenged them to do something that they never even fathomed. Hear me. Look at me. When he challenged them, he challenged them with something more than just the idea that if you've never sinned, throw the first stone. He challenged them to stretch beyond the normal realm of their understanding of God and each other. When you look at one another, we can, look, we can easily look at each other and go, you know, that person's not right. Or that, per- that, sh- that person shouldn't be doing this. Or, or that person shouldn't be doing that. It's very easy to point the finger. Right? But Jesus used the very finger he could have condemned her with to rescue her. Oh, come on, that'll preach. Y'all quiet on me? That'll preach right there. I'm telling you the very finger that he could have said, now, now, don't you know the truth? Don't you know you should have? Don't you know this should have been different? And he used that very same finger to write on the ground. Then Jesus stood up again. And he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? In other words, they ain't perfect. They all sinned. You did too. Right? He he acknowledges this, and I want to make it very clear. Jesus acknowledged sin here. But he didn't acknowledge condemnation. No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, watch this, verse 11. Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. This amazing story of the scribes and the Pharisees. This amazing story showcases for us as they try to set them up. They threw her. The Bible says that they threw her at the crowd before the crowd. But I believe that Jesus being part of that, it's almost like they threw him at his feet and they presented this opportunity for him to get caught in a situation. Seeing, seeing that, they could, that, they, uh, that Jesus was going to try to be entrapped, he then turned the tables on them. This woman was caught in adultery. Now the law of Moses says this, what do you say? Watch this. And now the pressing question is, who was this woman? Because it never gave her a name, right? It never gave her a name. You know, the answer may surprise you. This woman is you. This woman, she's us. She's a story of someone that is messed up. And if you've messed up, then you could identify somewhere in the story. The law said, she must be stoned. Grace said, she must be saved. The law said, she must be stoned. Grace said, we got to rescue her. She's got to be saved. We can get caught in our sins. And James says this, if you've broken one, you've broken them all. Is that right? James 2.10. If you broke one commandment, you broke them all. So it doesn't matter that you're 9 of 10. When you're playing baseball, a 900% batting average is pretty decent. Yes? Unheard of. Unless you're at bat only once that season. Right? But yet people get into the Hall of Fame with 3 out of 10 hits. Four out of ten hits. But in the kingdom of God, you broke one, you broke them all. That's what James says, not me. 
What's interesting enough is that if we place all of it, it places all of us on the same level, doesn't it? If you broke one, you broke them all. So we're all rule breakers. We all are commandment breakers. Yes? We've all, if we sin once, we broke them all. But what's interesting is that in John chapter 8, it opens with the group of men wanting to stone the woman. And it ends up at John chapter 8 with a group of men wanting to stone Jesus. In one turn, they're trying to stone a woman. At the end of the chapter, it's not too long before they want to stone Jesus. Why? Because when you speak truth, people don't like it. When you live for God, people just don't like it because they don't want to be held accountable. I, 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 I'm learning the more I grow in my faith, the more I grow as a leader, as a pastor, is that if someone doesn't challenge what you're doing or speak about you, you're not doing it right. At some point in time, someone's going to challenge you and tell you they don't agree with this or they don't agree with that. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when someone's a hater. Okay, that's not what it says in the scripture. It's a a different version, but nonetheless, it's the same, right? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when someone's talking about ye. (laughs) King James-ish. Talketh about ye. Because if if someone's not disagreeing with you, you're probably not stepping out far enough. Because comfort Christianity doesn't want to go against the grain. And Jesus was not about comfortable Christianity. Jesus was a grace invader. He did it all the time. Think about it. We talk about the prodigal son. We talk about the, the thief on the cross. We talk about even Judas, the guy that he walked with, the guy that he talked with, the guy that he ministered with. Here's one that he stood with for years and stood with him. And this very man betrayed him. And he says this. My family was sitting around the TV this week. No, not Nick at night. We're watching the Son of God. Watching a Jesus flick with... And Jesus, he says to everybody, this is our last meal together. As I was watching this clip, it was kind of coming to that climax moment. You know, it was one of those moments. And he looked to Judas and he said, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. You know what he could have said? This guy. <laughs> this, there's our finger again. This guy. He could have said, this guy, I fed him. I've done miracles alongside him. I've walked with him. I've discipled him. I showed him what life is about. But this guy, he betrays me. Everybody say, boo, Judas. Boo on you. He could have done a lot of different things. If you knew that you knew that you knew What was about to happen? Would you treat with that kind of grace? He's a grace invader. When Jesus touched things, he touched them with grace. He touched them because he knew. Being guilty of sin is more than just guilt. Look at me for a moment. I need you to to hear what I'm about to tell you. Because this just dropped on me this week. Are you ready? Being guilty of sin and carrying condemnation 
are described as two different things in this text. I'll say it again. Being guilty of sinning or sin and carrying condemnation are two separate things. This dawned on me. Like it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm saying to myself, what does this mean? And I'm sitting there struggling with the text. I'm like, God, if you want me to say this, help me understand. You know what he wanted to say? Your actions don't determine your destiny. But if you carry the wrong ones, they will eventually. This woman had sin in her life. Very clear, very compound, very understandable. When you break the law, you break the law. You, you committed adultery. Like, that's a big deal, right? Jesus wasn't excusing her. He acknowledged that there was sin. Because what did he, what did he say at the end of that? Go and what no more. He didn't say go and don't make any more mistakes. He called it what it was. Can I make that clear? The grace invader Jesus called it what it was. He wasn't sugarcoating it. He called sin, sin. And that's what the church needs to do. We need to understand what sin is. Not in their lives, in our own. Look at me. In our own lives. If everybody handles their business, we don't have to worry about others. Yeah? Come on, that'll preach. I get more amens on that one. I said some other good things too. Just because she was guilty doesn't mean she was condemned. Romans 8 tells us that there is now no condemnation for those that are what? In the world? For those that go to church? No. Neither of those. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Guilt, condemnation, two different things. Jesus says, understand your sin, but don't walk in condemnation. The grace invasion. Grace invasion. Jesus made it clear, while she was guilty, she was not condemned. He didn't say, go, don't sin like this again, just casually. So that you don't get stoned. Hey, listen, don't sin anymore because you don't want to get stoned. I may not be around next time. Now, I got your back now, but sister, listen, I may be in, I may be on tour somewhere preaching. He wasn't telling her don't sin no more because he might not be around to save her next time. He was telling her go and sin no more because you're not that person anymore. She has a new identity found under grace. Grace will take you where hustling cannot. Hard work. You know what that hustling means, right? Hard work. Hard work. How many know sometimes you got to work hard so that you can later play hard? Right? That's true. You got to work hard, put the money away, and you can play hard. It's easier to appreciate a vacation when you've worked. If your life is a big vacation, vacation is nothing. It's another week. But when you work hard, go snorkeling, do something fun, play hard, right? In the same respect, God is saying, listen, you can, you can hustle hard in the kingdom, 
But there's some things that hustling won't take you to. And that's his grace. Are you following me? You can hustle all you want. You can't get more grace than what God offers you. Grace will take you places where hustling can't. The truth is that God provides, or rather, God requires, when God requires something, he provides to get there. We may not like the idea of sinners being titled sinners. We have sinned. You as a believer are not a sinner. You're a believer. You're a saint, according to Paul. But I want you to understand something, that the term sinner is is oftentimes misconstrued, and and it oftentimes refers... You know, we think of sinners like, well, we want to say sinners are, you know, axe murderers or serial killers or child molesters or some people that have done heinous crimes. You're like, I can't I can't even wrap my mind around what you did. Those are sinners. But you know what sinners actually means? Missing God's standard. It's a lot more of a dirty word. And so now that's why come people aren't using the word sinners in the church or sin in the church. Because we look at it as a dirty word. Listen, you know what sin means or sinner means? A person that missed the mark. That's it. Now, that doesn't mean that the penalty is light. But we got to define what it is. And a, a sinner is a person that missed the mark. And we've all missed the mark, right? So we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's where Romans 3.23 comes in. It tells us exactly that. For we have all fallen Short. Some shorter than others. We've made it to understand that somehow it's a dirty word. It's something that's not right. It's something that, oh, that's them. I'm not a sinner. I'm just messed up. I made mistakes. Hello? We went through that in one of our classes recently. We talked about the difference. Look at me. We talked about the difference. Here it is. The world wants to say, it's okay. You just messed up. No. If you know better and you did it anyway, you sinned, period. You need the Savior. But, but if you're a believer in Christ, you can't go pointing the finger to someone that hasn't even met Christ and tell them you're a sinner, you need a Savior. You need, no, listen, I get that preaching, but that doesn't win anybody. Listen, let me explain to you why we've fallen short. We have a sinful nature. We've fallen short. God wants to restore you. Just pointing at someone, telling them you're a sinner doesn't help. Watch this. Just saying you're a sinner doesn't help. Because they can't define it. If I was to reach into a dictionary and pick out a big word and say, you're this. You go, okay, that's great. What is that? Right? How dare you? What does that mean again? If you don't know what that word means, then you don't know if it's an insult or not. So we've defaulted to saying that's dirty, ugly, smelly word, sin. Or sinner. God says sin is basically you missed the mark. And we've all missed the mark. I think most of us can agree. So what am I saying? Let me say this. Jesus changed the game. When he approached this woman. That committed adultery. Let me. Just two quick points. To you this morning. If you're taking notes. You may want to write this down. Because I think this changes it. I'm not trying I'm not trying to redefine what grace is. I'm trying to further deepen your perspective of grace. Are you ready? Because we understand grace to be unmerited favor. Most of us would agree with that. Favor that we don't deserve. Is it, am I pretty much in agreement with most of us here? That grace is unmerited favor. It's favor when when we don't deserve it. God says, I will give you grace anyway. So, but I want to go a little deeper than that. I want to go a little further. And here it is. Number one, grace is a glimpse of God's image. Grace is a glimpse 
of God's image. What am I talking about? I'm saying because of sin, we feel guilt. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. And when we fall short of that, that is to say we fail, we miss the mark and we know it. That's how come most of us, if I was to ask you if you've ever sinned in your life, most of us will go, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm being sarcastic, but yeah, pretty much. Every day, you know. We don't want to say every day because we would be like, I don't want you to think I'm one of them. No, we are. We are every bit one of them. We all fallen short. Let's stop looking at it as a dirty, dirty word. Let's start realizing it as, as our reality. And then we can then deal with our reality. Mistake is when you don't know better and you, were, you didn't have all the information and you kind of missed the marks, you know, because of misinformation or didn't know, whatever. That's not what sin is. Sin is you knew better and you did it anyway. So, God says, grace is a glimpse of who I am. God requires holiness and we don't always got it. Is that right? So who can fix this? Can we fix this? Spoiler alert. Nope. We can't fix it. We're imperfect creatures. And we can't make ourselves holy any more than a muddy hand can wipe a white shirt clean. Because that's our attempt. That's what we, when we try to earn grace and we try to earn forgiveness, it's like taking a white shirt with muddy hands and trying to make that white shirt clean. You ever try to fix something and you made it worse? A stain or something? You're like, oh, let me wipe that. And pfft, smears and you're like, oh, I just made it worse. Right? That's exactly what the picture of sin is. When we have sin in our hearts and our lives, the grace invasion of Christ is so needed. I need that grace invasion in my life. And I want you to know if you're in Christ today, you have that. Somebody say amen. Jesus came as the perfect bearer to God's image. Jesus came as the perfect bearer to God's image. Second point, which is my final point. I'm going to blow your mind. You ready? Two points. Grace is a picture of God's holiness. Now this, track with me for a moment. Because we think if he's holy, then he's just. If he's just, that means that justice must happen. But let me tell you something. I'm glad He's not doing it fairly. I'm glad he didn't treat me as I deserve. Because that's fair. Fair is I sinned, I pay the price. That's fair, right? Parents, have you ever scolded the wrong kid? I'll wait, I'll wait. Other than Jim, has anybody else done that? Right? And you're like, oh, uh, my bad. Um, about that. And you're like, I'm so... I'm so... Because you're so angry, you don't want to say it. You're like... I'm so... You're trying to get it out. And you're like, you don't want to say sorry because you're so angry. Somebody must feel the wrath. And you're like, so, sorry. Scold the wrong kid. We look at, 
We look at holiness and we see that God oftentimes is calling out the things that are to be, not the things that are. Sometimes he's calling out the best in you through grace. Most of the time, he's calling the best out of you through grace. We're quick to want justice, but I'm glad he didn't treat me the way I deserve. He called out to me what I cannot, what I am not currently, so that I can become everything he wants me to be. Come on, that'll preach. That's what's happening right now. God is invading people's lives with grace. And Jesus communicates his love. Jesus, in essence, the name Jesus means deliverer. Christ means the anointed one. You know what he is? He is delivering righteousness to man. When Christ came, he was a transporter to God's goodness. A transporter of God's faithfulness. Many centuries have been prophesied that, you know, the Messiah would come. You know, you'd free the people. But they didn't know it was going to be God's son. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ was sufficient atonement or paid in full. When we look at a picture of God's grace in an image like this, there's a story told of a woman who her pastor sat down with her. She said, I'd like to meet with you, pastor. Sat down. She said, pastor, I'm no longer going to be attending this church. Perplexed by her decision, the pastor said, why? She goes, ah, I saw a woman gossiping about another member, a man that's a hypocrite. A worship team was living wrong. People looking at their phone during the service. Among so many other things wrong in your church, she replied. The pastor was sad to hear her reasoning, but not surprised. He heard it all before. The pastor then replied, well, before you go, do me a favor. Take a glass of water, fill it to the top, and walk around the church three times. She said, okay, I think I can do that. So she grabbed the bottle of water and walked around, excuse me, the cup of water full to the top. And walked around the church three separate times. As she was doing that, he says, if you complete this task, I'll release you. She did it. She came back. The pastor prompted her with just one more thing. He said, before you leave, I want, you to, I want you to answer a question for me. She said, perplexed. She looked at him. She said, yes, pastor. He said, while you were walking around the church, did you see anyone else in the room? She said, no. Did you spot any hypocrites or anyone else on their phones in the room? The woman said, no. The pastor then said, that's probably because you were focused on the glass to make sure you didn't stumble or spill any water. And the same goes with your life. When you keep your eyes on Jesus and the commitment to him, we don't have time to point out the mistakes in others. We will reach out to show a helping hand and help them focus on their glass of water as well. Friends, let me share with you. If we just be who God called us to be, The doing will take care of itself. Are you with me? The doing will take care of itself. See, I've heard it from people said, be careful. I invite them to church and they're like, Pastor Tony, I don't know if I can go to church. Because if I was to walk in there, there'd be a thunderbolt that might blow up your church. 
the place might light up on fire. And you know what my response is to that? If God responded by fire, every time someone made a mistake, we would have burned down a long time ago. Right? There wouldn't be a church. We would be anywhere. We would be in a field somewhere like, Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Paranoid. Because now there's nothing between us. At least it can hit the building if we're in it. Let me tell you this again. I ask you again this question. Are there any alarms going off in the walls of your life? Those alarms remind us of our mistakes. Every cotton picking day. Those alarms that go off. Listen, you know, God will blow a hole in your wall. Rip that alarm out and say, I'm here. You don't need to be reminded anymore. Of your mistakes. Any more, any more of your past. That doesn't mean that we're not held accountable to our sin. I'm saying there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm talking about a grace invasion. A grace invasion. Here's the big idea as the worship team comes. Do you find yourself dealing with consequences of your sin? Bow your heads all across this room. If you deal with consequences of your sin, we're often, it's very easy for us to take a look at ourselves and go, I messed up, God. There's no way you're going to hear me. There's no way you're going to know me. There's no way that this is going to go down the way you want it to. Let me tell you right now, here's the big idea. Grab a hold of the currency of joy. In this room today, I want to pray for God to restore your joy. I'm not asking God to reveal your sin. He'll reveal it as you pray. But I'm asking God to give you joy so that you can realize what you have to work with. One of the hardest things as a minister is for me to know someone's talent and ability and they don't see it. Let me pray for you. Father, I ask you for every person at the sound of my voice right now. That they would see that your grace is more than enough. I pray today that you would help them to see the promise of Jesus. That they would see the promise Messiah. And everything that comes with, with serving you. Not to be caught up. Not to be moved by the things of this world so much. That it will change what you want to do for, do with us. But instead to be focused on the joy set before us. So we can endure what we have to endure. In Jesus name. If you're in this room, stand with me if you're able to do so. Would you do that? I want to read you a verse. Because I want you to respond this morning. Right where you're at. Here's the big idea. Grab a hold of the currency of joy that is available to all who walk in his grace invasion today. Get your joy today. Hebrews 12, 2, and we have this verse, I think, on the screen, says this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy. Watch this. And this fell on me like bricks as I was reading it this week. I said, wow. 
for the joy set before him, not the condemnation, not the guilt, not for all the sin and wrong, for the joy set before him, that's what motivated him to do what he was supposed to do, to endure what he was supposed to endure. Joy gave him strength. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So you know what our recipe is today? Get joy. Because you'll be able to go through what you need to go through if you get joy in your heart. Amen? So we're going to sing this song and I invite you to celebrate with us. And celebrate that His grace is enough. Come on somebody. Somebody give Him praise in this room right now. Come on. His grace.